Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks with Say One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Today, we bring you the first of a two-part meditation on Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and His death and resurrection entitled, Misplaced Expectations. Our vantage point in time gives us a double-edged view which provides both advantages and disadvantages. We have the benefit of many men and women, both ancient and contemporary, whose personal encounters with the living Jesus changed their lives in ways that caused changes in their environments. From their testimonies and writings, we understand what God was doing in sending Jesus to earth, and we can clearly see many of the purposes of his Father, which he accomplished in spectacularly humble fashion. But like the people of his day, we can also mistakenly expect things from Jesus which he never intended to provide for us. We share this message with you today in hopes that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to the scriptures so we all, as Ephesians chapter 4 verses 13 through 15 says, can come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and craftiness after the wiles of error. But speaking truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Part 1 concerns Jesus' particularly unique entry into Jerusalem. This event is recorded in all four Gospels at Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. Some of the details appear in all the Gospels, but other details are unique to each book. Therefore, in order to obtain a more complete picture of what happened on that day, we present a composite narration from these gospel passages starting in the book of John. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at meat with him. Mary therefore took a pound of ointment of pure nod, very precious, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples that should betray him, said, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred shillings and given to the poor? Now this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and having the money bag, took away what was put therein. Jesus therefore said, Suffer her to keep it against the day of my burying. For the poor you have always with you, but me you have not always. The common people, therefore, of the Jews learned that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests took counsel that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And it came to pass, when he drew nigh unto Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village that is over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. 
loose them and bring them unto me. And if anyone say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them back hither. And the disciples went and did even as Jesus appointed them. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door without in the open street, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do you, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had said, and they let them go, and brought the ass and the colt to Jesus. On the morrow, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, the disciples threw their garments upon the colt and sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their garments in the way, took the branches of the palm trees, and went forth to meet him. And as he was now drawing nigh, even at the descent of the Mount of Olives, a whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom that comes, the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Hosanna to the son of David. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The multitude, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him, for that they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Behold, how you prevail nothing. Lo, the world has gone after him. And some of the Pharisees from the multitude said unto him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, I tell you that if these shall hold their peace, the stones will cry out. And when he drew nigh, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which belong unto peace, but now they are hid from your eyes, for the day shall come upon you, when your enemies shall cast up a bank about you, and compass you round, and keep you in on every side, and shall dash you to the ground, and your children within you, and they shall not leave in you one stone upon another, because you knew not the time of your visitation. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered into the temple, and began to cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold the doves. And he would not suffer that any man should carry a vessel through the temple. And he taught and said unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the one wonderful things that he did, and the children that were crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were moved with indignation, and said unto him, Hear you what these are saying? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, did you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you have perfected praise? And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him. For all the multitude was astonished at his teaching, for the people all hung upon him, listening. And every evening he went forth out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. 
Many people who met Jesus on the way to Jerusalem that day were either his disciples or part of the great multitude which had either seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead or had heard about it. They were all excited at his approach to Jerusalem and even hailed him as King of Israel. When people in Jerusalem asked who Jesus was, the answer revealed that the people knew who he was and where he was from. There was, however, a group of people who were very displeased to see Jesus show up among them. They had already planned to destroy Jesus and to kill Lazarus, so they were probably out of their minds with hatred, envy, and false fear that their status in the community would be overshadowed and disappear in the brightness of belief in Jesus by the people. One of the astounding things about these religious community leaders was their blindness to the stunning scriptural fulfillment that was met in Jesus. You see, these men were the supposed leaders due to their reputed knowledge and understanding of the scriptures, the law, and the practical application of both. But all of their training and stubborn adherence to their traditions did not allow them to acknowledge the truth of who Jesus was. It probably drove them to the edge of insanity to hear people lauding Jesus with such superlative accolades. They did not recognize his peculiar entry into Jerusalem that was foretold at Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, and their rock-hard hearts were not moved by all of the miracles he freely worked for the people. They demanded that he quiet his worshipers. Instead, he rebuked them with the prophetic word of God from Psalm chapter 8 verse 2, which referred to him. The final straw may have been when he cast out those in the temple who exchanged Roman currency for the more expensive coinage as a convenience for buying animals that worshipers needed for their temple sacrifices. Jesus angrily declared two more prophetic passages that explained why these money changers had to go. They are from Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7 and Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 11. There was a major disconnect, however, between Jesus and just about everyone. Perhaps, ironically, the only people who really had an inkling of who Jesus was and what he was all about were those who loved him so, Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. Several times the scriptures mention that Jesus' disciples did not understand the import of what they were experiencing while they were with him, but they understood when they remembered later. Many times we are just like them. When the Lord sovereignly breaks into our lives in unexpected ways at unexpected times, we can only perceive what happened as we think about it later. At these times, then, our praise to Him for His present working is an acceptable act of worship. Even when it seems that he is not listening to us or that he has withdrawn from us, meditation on his everlasting word will reveal his ways that are not our ways and his wonderfully good intentions toward us. This also should bring us to Hebrews 13 verse 15. Through him let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of lips that will make confession to his name. Many of the people who were present at the miracle of Lazarus' return from death after four days were enamored with Jesus for displaying that kind of power. In our day of electronic special effects and other sensory manipulation, we can only imagine what was in the minds of those who saw these very real things with their very own eyes. Were they thinking of other miracles Jesus could perform? Did they wonder if they could get close to him? 
Surely, if he could make a dead man alive again, there was nothing he could not do for them. Or were there those with such hardened hearts that they only wanted to curry the favor of the chief priests and Pharisees, the religious and community leaders of that day who, according to John chapter 11, verse 57, had given commandment that if any man knew where he was, he should show it that they might take him. It was clear by the words and planned intentions of these leaders who should have recognized Jesus that they were not operating in the Spirit of God, but were pretenders to the throne which the rightful king had come to claim. But all of these, no matter what they thought about Jesus, were stuck in their understanding of what it meant to belong to an heavenly kingdom and seemed to think only in terms of changes that would have been made in their earthly kingdom to make it heaven on earth. Perhaps the combined pressures of tradition, training, the threat of being kicked out of their community, and the pride of belonging to a resilient group who saw themselves as the chosen of the great I Am kept them from following the witness of the Spirit of God into what was unknown. In all these things, we can be like people in Jesus' near vicinity over 2,000 years ago. We are all expecting things from him that he neither promised nor intended to provide for us. We expect Jesus to give us a great life. Some even teach us to use Matthew chapter 21 verse 22 in this way that says, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. But at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus said unto all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world, and lose or forfeit his own self? We have heard that Jesus will make us respected before others as king's kids. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. We have heard that Jesus died to make us free, and we expect him to allow us freedom to do what we want and to believe what we want. But Jesus said at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy by your name, and by your name cast out demons, and by your name do many mighty works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. We have heard it preached that we must make heaven come to earth for Jesus to return. But Jesus said at Mark 13, verses 5 through 13, Take heed that no man lead you astray. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am he, and shall lead many astray. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. These things must needs come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places. There shall be famines. These things are the beginning of travail. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in synagogues shall you be beaten, and before governors and kings shall you stand for my sake for a testimony unto them. 
And the gospel must first be preached unto all the nations. And when they lead you to judgment and deliver you up, be not anxious beforehand what you shall speak, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brothers shall deliver up brother to death, and the father his child. And children shall rise up against parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We believe, because we have been told, that Jesus has promised us a better life on earth in the here and now. But Jesus said at John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abides by itself alone, but if it die, it bears much fruit. He that loves his life loses it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will the Father honor. Many have been taught that we must go to an intermediary between us and Jesus. But Jesus said at John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Some have even been taught that everyone will make it into heaven and belief in Jesus' resurrection is not necessary. But Jesus said at John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He that believes on him is not judged. He that believes not has been judged already, because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, and comes not to the light, lest his works should be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light, that his works may be made manifest, that they have been wrought in God. In all of these things, we have misplaced our expectations on Jesus, and by extension, God. Because of this, many have fallen into unbelief. They became disappointed with God. They have been led to have misplaced expectations of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There is one thing, though, about God and all he does, and it is revealed by the Apostle Paul at 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13. Faithful is the saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we shall deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he abides faithful, for he cannot deny himself. For God to yield to our every whim would require that he relinquish his place as sovereign creator. Listen closely, that will not happen. Satan discovered firsthand the folly of his rebellion. Now he is cursed with the everlasting madness and frustration of fighting the one who made him. Ever since his encounter with Adam and Eve in the garden, that old serpent has worked to trick humanity into following his rebellious lead. Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection, among other things, did purchase our freedom, our freedom from sin that keeps us from God. Adam's fall sold us into bondage, but Jesus, as the last Adam, released us into the freedom to refuse every sin by submitting to the will of the Father. 
let us not follow that eternally dangerous example, but instead let us move toward him whom James chapter 1 verse 17 calls the source of every good and perfect gift, the Father of lights in which there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for another opportunity to think about you, your love for us, and what you purpose to do about our condition before we came to be by your hand. The enormity of these things is almost too much to consider, but because you have placed eternity in our hearts, we can take into glory and wisdom of your unsearchable ways. We are also stunned by the incredible patience you show for us, for you remember that we are but dust. How many times we have heard your words and misunderstood you. How often have we seen you in action in our own lives and the lives of others and not taken it to heart? How can you tell us plainly what is and what is to come, yet we respond as if your message makes no sense to us? In so many ways, we are the same as the men on the way to Emmaus, whom Jesus reproved. We are foolish and slow of heart to believe what we have been told by you through the prophets, your Son, and your Holy Spirit. Please reveal the places that keep us from believing you and help us to recognize them, forsake them, and repent of our unbelief. Yes, your ways are not our ways, but you do reveal your ways, just as a father shares his intentions with a mature son or daughter. Let us abandon our immature ways and gratefully accept and believe what you place before us. Let us assure ourselves by what you have done that even though we are in an evil and imperfect world, you are perfect, always good, and have the best intentions for us all. Thank you for the matchless love you lavish on us every day. Let us see you plainly each day and respond to you in grateful worship with every glimpse. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life Life is good. good. God God gives life. God God is good. good.